Increasing demand for global health education has expanded the desire to participate in medical missions abroad. Almost two-thirds of medical students expect to join a medical mission during medical school and their medical early careers. Despite positive intent, such short-term experiences may exacerbate global health inequities and even cause harm. Today, we're going to address the question, do the benefits of medical missions outweigh the harm? This is ReachMD, and I'm Dr. Andrew Wilner. With me today is Dr. Lawrence Lowe, adjunct professor of the University of Toronto, Dalalana School of Public Health, Toronto, Canada. Dr. Lowe is a fellow of the American College of Preventive Medicine and has published on the role of medical missions in global health. Dr. Lowe is also director of operations at the 53rd Week, an organization that works to develop best practices for medical missions. Dr. Lowe, welcome to ReachMD. Thank you for having me. Dr. Lowe, before we get too deep into our topic, can you tell me a little bit about your day job? I'm not really sure what public health physicians do. <laughs> I'm happy to do so. So I actually work uh, with the regional county health department just outside the city of Toronto. In my current role as the interim medical officer of health, I'm responsible for overseeing the programs and services and policies of the county health department that basically protect, promote, and optimize the health of the 1.4 million people of Peel County, west of the city of Toronto. Well, that sounds like a busy day. So tell me about medical missions. How did you get interested in medical missions? Well, to put it simply, I've always been very interested in global health. Many medical students tend to be. So when I was a medical student, I became one of these people who participated in medical missions, specifically to the Dominican Republic. But unlike some folks who do go abroad, I actually had more questions than feelings of success upon my return. I think I really started to wonder what sort of impact we were having on the communities. And that was essentially what gave rise uh, both to my interest in research, as well as to the nonprofit that you mentioned in the opening, the 53rd week, where our focus is essentially to ask the question, what is the most optimal way to ensure that these medical activities abroad are actually serving the needs of uh, the communities that host them? Well, I think I've had uh, similar questions. I'm the medical director of a nonprofit, uh, Lincoln Timog, that goes to the Philippines every year. And it's a, you know, a huge effort on everybody's part, but we're only there for a short time. And, you know, one wonders, is there a better way? But I noticed in your publications that you had some concern that there might be uh, negative effects of medical missions. What led you to study those? Well, I would venture it's not just my publication, and I should also preface my answer by saying it's not that medical missions or medical activities abroad are inherently detrimental or negative. The challenge is that some of them, if they're not necessarily carried out in an effective or considered manner, they may potentially present harms to the host communities. And some of those harms include things like shifting the local economic activity. For example, you have communities that may be having economic activity that is directed towards a specific local development that is now being shifted to essentially host these volunteer medical missions that may come. And the concern being here that there is a dependence that arises when that happens. Because what happens when that group goes is now you have an entire group of folks whose jobs and whose livelihood depend very much on the coming of those teams. Then there's the broader general concerns in, in respect of practice around continuity of care and you know, follow-up after complications, as well as whether we're actually cannibalizing, in a way, the local healthcare system by providing care in parallel. So those are just a number of the different concerns that arise when you think about some of the medical activities abroad that may not be as thoughtfully considered. 
Before we continue, we should say, what about the positive effects? Tell us about those and how can we maximize those? Absolutely. And if anything, the reality is that understanding why this phenomenon has arisen requires us to really look at the benefits and the potential harms on all sides. We know for certain that volunteers who do go abroad, as well as the institutions and organizations that send them, tend to benefit tremendously from the experience of traveling, from being able to practice soft skills, develop skills, all those other pieces. Similarly with institutions, it's an opportunity for them to attract resources for research and other programs that they may be running, as well as build partnerships internationally. Those are all benefits that we would seek to protect. At the same time, though, the concern is that entirely service-focused global health activities, the real benefit that the community may get is certainly some downstream care for their immediate health needs. The challenges around some of the economic diversion and pieces that I mentioned mean that on occasion, if it's not carefully done, the lack of capacity building means that the negatives sometimes, unfortunately, outweigh the positives that the community experiences. If you're just joining us, you're listening to ReachMD. I'm Dr. Andrew Wilner, and I'm speaking with Dr. Lawrence Lowe about his work to improve the quality and impact of medical missions. Dr. Lowe, what does the 53rd Week do? So the 53rd Week has actually been an organization that has transformed over a number of years. We initially were a medical mission-sending organization. Over time, our vision and our mission has essentially morphed into becoming a think tank around responsible short-term global health activities abroad. And our focus is essentially on both conducting research and evaluation with sending organizations and partners to come up with specific guidelines and guidance as to how they can increase and optimize their impacts on the host communities, as well as advocating for missions more broadly within the global health and development sphere to be conducted in a responsible and ethical manner that takes into consideration some of the unintended effects that we've been talking about. Are there uh, similar organizations? To my knowledge, no, but I will say that there are a lot of people that are very interested in this field. We've been involved in a number of different coalitions and panels and cooperatives where you have academic people from sort of religiously affiliated organizations, people from nonprofit as well as for-profit sectors, really taking a look into the question of how do we optimize the efforts that we're all undertaking abroad when we send volunteers of a medical background. You know, in the Philippines, I noticed medical mission groups pretty much just show up, you know, in a local community and they're driven by an anchor there, a relative of one of the volunteers, or there's some reason why they've chosen that place. And I know the Philippine government is trying to make the medical mission system much more rigorous. Uh, technically, one has to have a temporary medical license and there's a lot of registration and filing which uh, generally isn't done because it's too cumbersome. So I think in regulating it, there's a danger of, you know, looking a gift horse in the mouth. Medical mission groups often don't really have much in the way of administrative uh, depth. <laughs> you know, they're just a bunch of people that buy plane tickets and show up. And uh, if there's too many regulations, it might be that they might not go at all. That would be unfortunate, but the more important thing to remember is that we want to sort of ensure that good intentions are being matched by good outcomes. And that's not to say that medical missions can't or aren't achieving good outcomes right now, but it's more to consider sort of those unintended consequences that I've mentioned. And the hope is that many groups will start to consider things along the lines of how are we selecting our volunteers? How are we preparing them? How are we working with the local community to identify their needs? and then build up their capacity to actually address them through their established health and social systems 
How are we evaluating our impact? How are we planning for a time when, you know, a medical mission wouldn't necessarily be needed in the community anymore? And to get there, I think we're going to need to have a number of different interventions, be it host countries that are looking at licensure in the manner that you described, be it, you know, evaluation mechanisms, et cetera. And so I certainly agree with you that there is the risk that a lot of smaller outfits who aren't able to maintain a certain level or standard of practice, per se, would essentially be swallowed up by bigger groups or unable to go. You know, if we are really talking about outcomes, I think the benefits and and the outcomes for the host communities really should be first and foremost in our minds. And ensuring that all of our processes and procedures meet that is paramount from the way I see it and from what the 53rd week is trying to achieve. Now, you mentioned 53rd week and guidelines. Are there some official guidelines available for the best practices in medical missions? I have two parts of an answer to that question. The first answer is that there are a lot of new guidelines out there. And they all tend to have numerous common themes and elements, you know, in terms of think about sustainability, think about local engagement, all the pieces that I've kind of mentioned. So there are a lot of guidelines out there already. The second part of the answer to this question, though, is that the challenge has really been in sort of getting the guidelines to be adopted or to be taken up by groups. As you've alluded to, many groups are very small, and so their ability to resource appropriately to actually take up those guidelines is challenging. And then, of course, given the heterogeneity of guidelines, just so many different guidelines out there, there hasn't really been one standard that people can really fall behind. So the 53rd week has been very involved in discussions with cross-sectoral partners, basically faith-based groups, for-profit groups, non-profit groups, as well as academic institutions at a number of tables to really say it's less about coming up with guidelines now, and it's more about How do we actually implement and encourage adherence to these guidelines? How do we actually ensure that it's being done at disparate communities all over the world? And that, in and of itself, is sort of the big next challenge. I would think it would be useful to have a international registry of medical mission groups and their schedules and destinations, kind of like clinicaltrials.gov, you know, where you know what research is being done. Is there such an entity or is everything still kind of freewheeling? There have been a number of different people that have tried to come up with databases that register different medical missions. There's one group that tries to do it specifically for medical missions to Latin America. There's another group that tries to do it for medical missions that meet a certain set of criteria. I think what's going to happen is there's going to need to be sort of a number of different strategies. Certainly a database and audit and accreditation within a database is one piece coming up with guidelines and implementing them and finding some way to encourage adherence to them is another piece. Denormalizing fly-in, swoop-in medical missions that don't necessarily consider community outcomes is another piece. But all of these pieces that we're sort of discussing and describing are going to need to be part of a comprehensive strategy to address some of the concerns around medical missions, but also ensure that they are a contributing part of the global health and development agenda going forward. One thing that I would love to see would be to see something like the World Health Organization or the World Medical Association take on some sort of, say, certification or accreditation program that they could then guarantee some sort of adherence to some quality or some guidelines of missions that would actually be then seen as more impactful. The answer to your question is there are a lot of piecemeal efforts, both in terms of the guidelines and the implementation of guidelines, as well as the actual tracking of who's who. What we really need is for people to come together now and actually have a more comprehensive discussion about how we move forward. Well, with all those concerns in mind, lastly, how should doctors proceed if they're interested in participating in a medical mission? What advice would you give? 
Well, it's the same advice I give anyone contemplating volunteer work abroad. I think there's just general principles that we can adhere to in what is essentially a wild west when it comes to experiences. My encouragement would be for people to really examine their motivations, their desires as to wanting to help, and to really start with the outcome in mind. So the outcome really should be more about, I actually want to see positive, beneficial outcomes for these communities that I'm having the privilege of being invited into. If you start with that outcome in mind, then the rest of it will fall into place. Then you start looking for, you know, an experience that has specific qualities or specific criteria that suggests that it has the community's best interest in mind. Then you start thinking about the activities that you're doing, sticking with the principle that if it's something that you can't do in your home country, probably not something that you should be doing over there. And you sort of work your way down. But if you go into these recognizing that it's a privilege to be volunteering in these and to be aware of putting the community first in whatever you do, I think the rest really will fall into place until such time that some of the broader questions are answered around the incentives and the comprehensive strategy to make responsible medical missions the norm. Dr. Lowe, that sounds like great advice. I'd like to thank you very much for joining me today to talk about medical missions. It was terrific having you on the program. Thank you so much, Dr. Wilder, and all the best. I'm Dr. Andrew Wilner. To access this episode and others, visit ReachMD.com and become part of the knowledge. Thanks for listening.